another edition and episode of All About the Star right here on the Chop Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Dave Sturchio, here for a Victory Week podcast. That's right, for the first time in this podcast history, all you know, all the archived episodes, which there are just so many of them, this is the first time we're coming off a W. That is right, the Dallas Cowboys took care of business on the road against the Los Angeles Chargers, um, in which the stadium was basically located in Los Angeles, Texas. So shout out to Cowboys Nation for coming out strong uh, in Los Angeles because it was literally over 50%, over 50% Dallas Cowboys fans and representation in the house, and that helped. They didn't have to use a silent count at all. They were not affected by the crowd noise because the crowd quieted down when the Cowboys were on offense, and then we were on defense. Justin Herbert couldn't hear anything. So we roll, and we roll strong. So I'm definitely happy about all of that. Um, as far as the game is concerned, uh, yes, it is great to get out of there with a win. Um, I picked them to win the game. So I think that the Dallas Cowboys are definitely, you can't say hitting a stride yet because you know, you're only getting one win here. So it's not like we're 2-0. and It's not like we're you know beating the world. Um, you know, Coming off that loss at Tampa Bay, you felt like the Cowboys needed this one. And when I say needed it, like statistically, did they need it? No, it wasn't a must win or anything like that. In fact, it was an AFC opponent. So it doesn't even count towards, you know, the, the conference standings and stuff like that. So it's, if you're going to lose games, you'll want to lose games to the AFC. Uh, but I, I felt like from a morale, a team morale standpoint, uh, the Cowboys couldn't lose this game. And when you look at it on paper, with everything that the Cowboys faced, Coming into this this game in particular, you know, whether it be Gallup is out for a couple of weeks and then Randy Gregory tests positive for COVID and then Demarcus Lawrence breaks his foot and then, you know, you have uh, uh, Wilson out with a groin injury. There's just so many things that worked against Lyle Collins was serving his first game of his ridiculous five-game suspension, which hopefully gets reduced and or just completely nixed eventually. Because after I read the articles about why uh, he missed these sp- supposed drug tests, I mean, one for his, one for surgery, two for an uncle's funeral, three, like, you know, like there, there are circumstances out there where family comes first and your health comes first. And I'm sorry that I can't piss in a cup right now, but, uh, you know, how about you take the other 98 tests that I've had already and just take my word for it. You know, I understand that there's rules, and but it just seemed like a was a little excessive but anyway it didn't matter because Terrence Steele came in there and took care of business against one of the better pass rushers in football in Joey Bosa Um, I I feel like Bosa was a non-factor I feel like Bosa was you know just kind of not overmatched because Bosa is one of the best and we all know that but I felt like Terrence Steele held his own. Um, there was confidence in his play. There was also confidence in Dak Prescott. He, you know, he, he kind of already alluded to the fact that no matter who was in there, that things were going to work out in, in their favor. Um, and, and you just you build off that confidence. And Terrence Steele was the guy. And he's going to be the guy going forward. So now... You know, income and Eagles team, and we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but you know, it's a different ball game. They're down a couple of their bigger stars as well, so they're they're kind of limping into Dallas as we still are too. Uh, we'll be getting Randy Gregory back, of course, off the COVID list. As you hear this, it's Wednesday. He is being lifted off the COVID list today. So. Wednesday is the day that Randy Gregory returns to practice. And if you watched or looked at the stats, I saw it posted by Patrick Nosey Walker of CBS Sports yesterday um, that he uh, his stats against Philadelphia are pretty, pretty good. So I would uh, assume that Randy Gregory has himself a decent day, even with the mobile Jalen Hurts on the horizon. But getting back to the Chargers game for a second, 
I, I would definitely give kudos to the running game, the rushing attack. They saw that the Washington football team were able to do that, so we capitalized on that. When I say we, I mean collectively. Okay, we're talking Zeke Elliott pounding the rock very, very hard. Hard-nosed runner. He's the guy that will just wear your defense down and then you splash in a Tony Pollard and what he was able to do and what he brings to the team when his versatility and just a, a little bit of a quicker burst, a quicker first step. And I'm not saying, and now look, this is the biggest, it's crazy to me. You, you come off a win and the Cowboys fans and everybody are flying high and we're all excited about it, which rightfully so. It's a big, big win on the road against a, a playoff caliber team, I think. Uh, I think that, you know, the Chargers are still going to make the playoffs despite their start. Um, and I'm not saying they they started bad. They, they're one and one. Uh, but two NFC games. So these games aren't even really, really counting towards the Chargers, you know, full season, have you. Uh, but I will say this about the Cowboys and, and their situation. Now, they ran the ball all over the Chargers, almost 200 yards of offense on the ground alone. Dak Prescott puts the ball up. Not your best fantasy day or anything like that. He just a game management type of game where they ran the rock when they needed to and they made the necessary catches when they needed to. And shout out to guys like Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin and CeeDee Lamb and these guys that are making these plays, um, including Amari Cooper. You know, uh, they're making plays out there when they're absolutely necessary. Not not like they're not trying to force the ball uh, the force the ball down the field they're not doing that which is making Dak look more quote unquote conservative even though he's really not like he can still put some air under the ball if needed however on this day it was a lot of underneath stuff and it was a lot of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott now I address this to all of Cowboys Nation right now listening to this if you're a fan of the team don't have your inner argument between the the fact of this one or that one. Believe it or not, I know this is going to sound ridiculous and it's going to sound crazy, but you can have a complimentary running back and a complimentary, t- like a tandem, a duo, have you, okay? This is a one-two punch and is the best one-two punch that you could possibly ask for. What I mean by that is you have Ezekiel Elliott who is running hard. I mean, this guy puts his shoulder down, puts his helmet down at all times, almost looks for contact. I know it's in a day and age where, like, you know, they're trying to improve player safety and all that stuff. This is the guy that is actually looking to make contact first. He's the guy that's going to wear down your defense, okay? I made a comparison today online on, on the old Twitterverse, and I think it's a really good comparison based off of what we've seen in our past as the Cowboys organization. And then you got Tony Pollard, who comes in there and is just electrifying. He's smooth. He's he's quick. He's got that first burst step. He gets through the line. He always gets the extra yard. He's just fast and elusive, right? So what does this remind you of? If you're a Cowboys fan from you know way back when and when the, the Cowboys had some prominence, you also had a guy named Marion Barber, right? If you remember Marion the Barbarian Barber, you knew that that guy would punch you right dead in the mouth, right? Get you tired, get you on the ropes, and just have you kind of staggering. And then here comes Felix Jones catching a ball out of the backfield and just dicing up the rest and the remains of that defense. We have a similar situation here with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Now, Again, I will I will emphasize this because for whatever reason, there's an argument like we should run this guy more or we should get this and I can't believe we paid Zeke this and this, that, and the third. You don't need to have that inner argument. You can just say whenever any of those two running backs are on the field, we're in a good situation. 
You know, Zeke Elliott was stopped behind the line a couple times. Was Pollard stopped behind the line at all? No. So that's when people are like, well, you know, then you just need to splash Pollard in there more. No, that's not the, that's not the case. Because you know what? You're not going to stack eight in the box when Pollard is lined up in the backfield. You're just not going to do it. You'll do that when Ezekiel Elliott is lined up back there. So it poses different problems for defenses to line up and play you. Okay, that's why I'm trying to figure out why why you guys are out there arguing with each other about who's the better back. How about we got two good running backs? You know, this hasn't happened in a very long time, and we kind of been waiting for this to happen. We said this was going to happen. Last year is a lost year because of all the crap that we went through as far as offensive line woes and COVID and just no Dak Prescott and just, just a bad year overall. So you really can't say, like, well, we had these guys last year. Why didn't it happen? There's a lot of different factors that the reason why it didn't happen last year. But now you have an offensive line that is just missing one piece. He'll be back soon, right? Everybody else, knock on wood, is relatively healthy. You know, you have Dak Prescott back on their center, calling the plays, and also, you know, shout out to his ability to change the play on the fly like he has. It was it was recorded and told that there was 28 runs called in the Tampa Bay game, and he audibled out of 12 of them to pass, you know, and, and, and not run. So he knows what he's doing. He sees what the defense is giving you, and there was a lot more running last game. Now, I go back to Bill Parcells-type football, where with a lead, you want to start bleeding the clock out, right? You want to start, start, believe it or not, I'm a nut. I am an absolute nut when it comes to the clock, and I'm watching it in the first quarter. Like, how much time is left? Let's see if we can bleed some off. Every time we have a lead, I want that clock to disintegrate. You know, I'm not in the business to say, let's try to run up the score. Let's try all these big plays. Let, let's just win games. And I think the way to win games is to run the football. And, and the way they did it was so effective that it had the Chargers in, in just complete disarray on the defensive side of the ball. So that's why they scored... 17 points right is that all world is that is that a world beating offensive performance no but we punched them in the mouth continuously continuously until they were broken until they were broken and then you kick the game winning field goal and you win the game you know so like overall I think that you have to really consider you know you score 20 points that's good right but this team and this offense, you know, just based off its personnel and the guys that we have on the roster and the, and the depth we have at certain positions like receiver and tight end, and you have Dak under center, we should be scoring a lot more points, right? Well, the Chargers defense is pretty good, okay? Who's not pretty good is the Philadelphia Eagles. I think their defense is way different, and I think they're down enough guys in which we probably, will probably score some more points. I mean, the, the atmosphere alone, we'll get into that after the break, but first... Um, I will say this when it comes to the Dallas defense against Justin Herbert, making this guy turn the ball over was so pivotal at so many different, different points of the game. This is a foreign substance for the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. We are not used to having forced turnovers. We are not used to having cornerbacks make plays on balls like Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs is turning out to be an absolutely amazing shutdown corner. And that's exactly why we drafted him when when folks didn't think that there was even a shot that we would get Trayvon Diggs in the draft. And if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, there was like a 1% chance he fell to us in the second round and he did. 
So, like, that's why you draft a guy, and that's why you let a guy like Byron Jones walk. No matter how good Byron Jones was in coverage, it didn't translate into turnovers. Like, great, pass, uh, pass breakups are a stat now, you know, and people do consider, you know, consider that when looking into a grade overall for your corner, and Byron Jones was good at that. Trust me. He closed in, and his ups and his vertical, that was good, right? Trayvon Diggs is great. This is greatness over good. This kid's going to be a star in the league, and I'm blessed to have him. And I know we are, as Cowboys Nation, to have this kid as our, Q, our as our CB1, okay? Now, what you do with the other cornerback positions, look, I know that Anthony Brown has been picked on a little bit, you know, and, and there's been still plays where he can't tackle worth the shit. And I it's so weird to see, you know, I'm sitting there watching the game with my dad and my brother, and we're sitting there like, why can't these guys wrap up and tackle? What, Where did that get lost in the fundamentals of football, right? Because that's the first thing you learn is how to wrap up, drive, and tackle. You know, you, do, you, you use those tackling dummies for a reason. You drive them to the ground, you wrap up, you tackle them, right? These cornerbacks are just, they're looking for the big hit. They're looking to throw the shoulder into somebody. And they're looking to pop the ball out or punch the ball out or something else today. And don't get me wrong. That's good to an extent, right? I don't want you throwing yourself at somebody if you're not trying to have the intent of knocking the ball out, right? I mean, that's that's the whole point of trying to lay the wood. You, you want to knock the ball loose, right? But you got to make the tackle first. There are a couple guys on this team that make tackles when it's necessary. I gave a whole lot of shit to Jalen Smith over the last, I can't even tell you how many games, right? And there's a video that went viral, and I since deleted that video because I couldn't stand the, the that. I, maybe I couldn't take the heat because uh, I, I called him out on his bad, piss-poor play in, in week one, and he showed me up in week two. There was still plays where I'm just like, oh, my God, Jalen, what are you doing? But there was a lot less of that, and he was given a lot more snaps. So I can't I can't sit there and keep beating that dead horse and say, like, ah, Jalen sucks. He sucks. I'm waiting for him to come around. I'm waiting for him to be in the right position to make the plays. Trust me. Trust me. That's what I want. As a Cowboys fan, that's what you want. You don't want him to just suck repeatedly. You know what I mean? So, And there was a different scenario because they moved Micah Parsons, who I'll get to in a second, to the edge. And when I say, I, look, we got Randy Gregory on one side. We got Demarcus Lawrence on another. Those two guys are all world good. I think Randy Gregory's potential hasn't even been met yet. We do know what Demarcus Lawrence does on the field we look the sack numbers are not there they're not and there's no mistake about it but there's more to playing defensive end than just sacks and while sacks are the best thing you can do but putting that quarterback under duress and making bad decisions because you got a hand in your face that's just as good as a sack because that can turn into a turnover that can turn into a pick a fumble a miss a missed route whatever the case may be that can turn into a very positive play for the defense. And I think that's what Demarcus Lawrence does. Now, however, Micah Parsons, I will say this, and I said this on my other podcast, the Chop Sports Podcast. We're on every day at 11 o'clock. We go live, and then obviously the podcast is available in podcast form at 1230 every day. Micah Parsons is as good, if not better, than advertised, okay? This kid is fast. And when I say fast, his first step his first step, that offensive tackle didn't even have his hands on him sometimes before Micah was in the, the in the backfield. Now, sometimes Parsons would take the, the longer road, right? He would take this longer road to get there, 
right? Because he would take the, you know, all the way to the outside. And before you know it, Justin Herbert steps up in the pocket. It becomes a cleaner pocket and he's able to throw the ball 30 yards down the field to nobody, which is like, when I say nobody, no defensive coverage there. It was just wide open sometimes, which drove me absolutely nuts. But I will say, as far as Parsons is concerned, from a defensive edge point of view, the kid's got a wicked, amazing first step. And I think that that continues going forward. Um, whether he's used there or not as much, like as of right now, yeah, you're, you're down to Marcus Lawrence. You're basically your captain of your defensive line. You got to put him there when it's necessary. But that just means if Parsons is on the line, that means you're going to also see Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith in that linebacker, along with Keanu Neal, right? We haven't seen anything from Jabril Cox yet because he's just not, the rotation's just not calling for him yet. But I'm telling you right now, if we're going to do this, and, and I say this is a sacrifice in a way, you're going to put Parsons on the line, great, right? You're going to put Parsons on the line. That's extraordinary, and I think that's a good idea. But that just means you're being susceptible in the linebackers department. If Parsons does not get there in his pass rush, you are leaving this thing, this whole thing up to LVE and Jalen Smith. And I want to say that I, I'm not confident in that yet. Do I want them to be? Did did Leighton Vanderesh get his first sack of the year? Did he howl to the moon? Yeah, we're all excited. We got it. We get it. But like they have to know that if you're going to put Micah Parsons on the edge, that you're sacrificing your linebacker play. Okay. Now, a lot of people on, on Twitter and, and you know social media have said that Micah Parsons is a better DN than he is linebacker. Well, how the hell do you know that? Like it's not, it's it's there's two games. We've played two games. You know, my dad said it best. You got to get some kind of reps with units, right? And I think the units that they used in this game was a Jalen and an LVE with Parsons on the edge and Keanu Neal, a couple splashes here and there. That worked for this particular offense, right? Justin Herbert is not your prototypical scrambling quarterback that's going to go all over the place and, and make you pay for it, right? He's the guy that wants to step up. Is he quick? Is he mobile? I think every quarterback that comes out of college now and this could be the change of the guard completely. There is no more Tom Brady. You know, there is no more sit back in the pocket and just deliver. Those guys, that that that's done. I'm sorry. There's there, Every quarterback that gets drafted into the league now has the ability to run. You know, he's quick. I'm not saying he's a scrambler. Like, that, that's what you would, you know, create a player in Madden. Like, oh, he's a scrambler. That means he's going to look to run first like a Justin Fields or a Mike Vick of old. No, I'm talking about the fact that these guys are able to run Justin Herbert is able to run now when you talk about Jalen Hurts he runs first he poses a different problem for the Dallas Cowboy defense so when we come back from break we're gonna break down the Philadelphia Eagles Monday night football the Dallas Cowboys home opener coming up right after the break there is nothing on my person that I care more about than my hair and beard it's the money maker I need it mint the only person I trust right now is John over at Main Street Barbershop in Metuchen. John has been at this game for seven years and offers premier haircuts, complete bald head shaves, shape-ups, beard trims, the works. You can follow Main Street Barbershop on Instagram at MainStreetBarber underscore Metuchen, and you can book an appointment by downloading the Booksy app or call John directly at 732-569-2592. Tell him Chop Sports sent you. All right, we're back here on All About the Star. We want to thank you, or I want to thank you, for downloading, listening, subscribing, of course, sharing with your friends. Look, I got a big, big voice all of a sudden on Twitter. That kind of happened overnight, honestly, uh, between either my takes or my predictions or whatever the case may be. 
a lot of people are starting to take my opinions a little bit more serious than than of old. You know, like nobody would see anything. Now I'm saying one tweet. I'll send out one tweet and I'll get a thousand likes and responses, and, and it'd be seen by like that Jalen Smith video. I couldn't believe it. It was got fifty six thousand views, right? And then it went over to you know I went to the impressions with like if you're an analytics guy, which I am, which I have to be because I run a network here. But when you're like, it shows you how many like visits, like how many how many profiles how many accounts saw this video and it said 225,000 so a quarter of a million people saw the video that I came up with just based off studying tape now some people say well you're not the studying tape guy and you you can't break down film like that you know that's not what you do and I'm like well you know what you don't know what I do okay there's a lot of listen I wear a lot of hats you know what I mean like I yes I run my podcast yes I do podcasting yes I we built a website here and we're, we're selling merchandise and all sorts of stuff but I do break down film when I can, you know, and I, and I have the game pass and I was able to watch all 15 of Jalen snaps first, you know, and, and, or found 14 of them or something like that. A lot of people didn't like what I did. A lot of people did like what I did. You know, it was 50, 50 Cowboys fans are fickle like that. They are. They just, some people hate what you say. And some people are like, this guy knows everything. So in any event, income, the first home game of the year. Now, as you're listening to this, it's Wednesday. I board a flight by my lonesome, on Saturday afternoon, or Saturday morning, rather. I don't even know. Maybe middle of the afternoon. I'm not sure. I have to check the itinerary. But I'm going to Dallas, and I haven't been to Dallas since I went with my dad and my brother a couple years back. Now, that year, we went to the home opener as well. I believe they lost the first game to Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, and then the second game of the year was their home opener. First play, I think Tavon Austin caught a bomb touchdown. My dad said the play shook. It was probably, and it's not even probably, it's hands down the greatest trip I've ever been on in my entire life. You know, you you you, you dream of scenarios where you talk to your dad all year, like all, all your life, and you're like, hey, one day you'll get out there. One day, and he's like, nah, whatever. You know, he's an older guy, so he doesn't want to travel all the time. But, you know, he saw the fun that me and my brother had a couple years before that. The, the couple of years before that, me and my brother were out there for a Tony Romo last-second drive or last-minute drive. Romo hits Witten in the end zone. They beat the Giants. Me and my brother there. We thought we never heard the stadium louder or we'll never hear the stadium louder until we went with my dad. Tavon Austin catches this big ball. Touchdown, Cowboys. The place was literally shaking when I say that. But, yeah, that trip was by far my favorite trip of all time. Um, but I will say that going alone, the last time I've traveled anywhere alone, I went to Alaska, right? And that was for, I, I do, uh, or I used to do, and I'm somewhat dabbling again into the world of professional wrestling where I did some ring announcing and I was booked to be a ring announcer for a company called WrestlePro. I went out to Alaska, but I knew I was meeting the crew out there, right? This, this time for the first time ever. Like, yes, I'm meeting Brett Ernst out there. He is the co-host of the Jersey Boys podcast. He's a nationally known comedian. If you've known him from his his uh, his roller skating bit from his stand-up comedy or his roles in, in Cobra Kai as the cousin of of uh, Danny LaRusso, you know what I mean? So he has, he's got some credibility, all right? He's got some, uh, he's, he's a good dude. He's funny as hell. In fact, if you're not doing anything on Saturday night, he will be at the Dallas Comedy Club. They're actually opening for the first time. Like, they're opening their doors. A brand new comedy club, and Brett Ernst is the headliner. That's Saturday night. So I'm meeting Brett Saturday night, but I'm also just kind of going to his show, and it's not like I'm going to be sitting, like, on stage with him. You know what I mean? So I'm going to be in the crowd by myself. Uh, then Sunday, he's like, oh, I got plans with a friend, blah, blah, blah. So like Sunday football, all of a sudden, I'm just like, oh, okay, now what? You know what I mean? Like, now what do I do? But look, 
I'm a very personable dude. I'll go out to the nearest uh, popular bar that people watch Sunday football. I saw a video the other day of a, a friend of mine, Skywalker Steele, who put me on his show a couple of times uh, where he was somewhere in Arlington, and it looked phenomenal, phenomenal. I'm a Jersey guy. We don't got a lot of great atmosphere places when it comes to watching football, and I'm not going to Hoboken or the city or anything like that because I just I don't like it out there, and the crowds aren't for me. It's a bunch of fist-pumping guidos that I just, I don't know. And I say guido. I'm allowed to say guido. I'm an Italian, okay? So that's okay. But I will say that Sunday I have to find something to do, go watch football for the day, watch my fantasy stats, drink a couple beers, interact with some people. I know I might meet with uh, Jay Tuck on Saturday night. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that I know are actually going to this game on Monday night. So then, obviously, Monday comes the game. Uh, We'll be tailgating out there. It's going to be nice and hot in Arlington, Texas. So we'll be out there sweating our asses off, drinking some beers, and then, obviously, the game is Monday night. And then Tuesday, I decided, because this is what I do, you know, I can't not do a tour when I'm there, stupid me, I'm by myself, so maybe I shouldn't have done this, but I am going to go on the VIP tour, which means I'm going to see a couple of the rooms that I've never seen before, because I've been out to the stadium a bunch of times. Uh, I definitely want to go check out, like, the, you know, the the owner's press box, like, the, the places where these guys sit and watch these games all the time. It's just little different things, broadcast booth, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but I'm excited about that, get back on the field, take a couple pictures, and uh, call it a trip. But I'm very excited to get out there because they are opening their stadium this year with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Eagles are 1-1. One one. Uh, they come in here with, uh, you know, I, I, can't, I can't put my finger on where I rank Jalen Hurts right now because, look, the Falcons, Tom Brady just dissected them, right? The first week you know, dissected by the Eagles. The Falcons look to be a very bad team, and they might even lose to the New York Giants this week. So that's that's where I got the Falcons. So that's how I can gauge the, the Eagles because then I have the Eagles who played the 49ers in a very quiet, low-scoring affair, and they just couldn't get things going. I think Jalen Hurts had like 85 yards passing. You know, he poses a, a different threat to the point where he he likes to run first. He he does like to his first step might not be to read his offense and, and t- he will take shots down the field, but more or less if there's a lane he's going to run it. Um I think that there needs to be a spy. I think there's it should not be Jalen Smith. He can't even run horizontally. He can't do it. So you can't do that. And you don't want to take Michael Parsons off the offensive line because they actually have a decent offensive line, believe it or not. They're a little older, but they're still good. Uh, they're a lot better than the, the the Chargers, in my opinion, as far as offensive line is concerned. They're not Tampa Bay, but they're not the Chargers. They're like right there, right in the middle. Um, so I know Jalen Smith is gonna. I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts is gonna. He's gonna score some points. There, there's no doubt about it in my mind that. There was a lot of times in that Chargers game where I'm like, why can't this defense get off the field? I don't understand it. Why is this such a difficult scenario, difficult situation? They just got like third and 10, third and 12, fourth and 25. You know, there's like a lot of situations where the Dallas Cowboys couldn't get off the field. That's where I think the Eagles will take advantage. You know, as much as we say, oh, we got depth here, we got depth here. Nobody has depth for long, long, sustainable drives. Nobody does. Not, not one team in the NFL. I don't care who you are. So these, these 12, 13, 14 play drives, are gonna, they're going to hurt if that's where Jalen Hurts and the, and the Philadelphia Eagles can go. Now, their running attack, as far as Miles Sanders, and now they got Gainwell, or I think it's his name, Gainwell. I don't know. I might be wrong on that one. 
They're receivers. They got these kids that are just, they could stretch the field. Devonta Smith, the new kid. Um, you also have Jalen Rager, who scored last week. So look, and they all, they still have Ertz. They still have my boy, Dallas Goddard. I say my boy because I wanted him very badly. And then all of a sudden, you know, the guy named Dallas, his dad named him Dallas. I, I'm still pushing for a name Dallas. You know what I mean? So um, I, I would say that the their offensive weaponry with our defense is relatively evenly matched. I think we're okay there. I think where we succeed a lot more is when we get the ball. Okay. This this week in particular, where we haven't seen we saw it against Tom Brady because Dak threw the ball 58 times, right? It didn't happen like that in the Chargers game at all. Different scenario, different game plan. Everything worked. Everything was clicking on different cylinders, run game, pass game when needed. You know what I mean? I don't know what game plan they're gonna bring out on the Philadelphia Eagles. I did see you know, they, they, they shut down Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like, Atlanta really didn't do much. The San Francisco 49ers only put up 17 points, but they were down to, like, literally me at running back. You know what I mean? Like, they had a lot of injuries towards the end of the game. We do have the Zeke and Pollard thing that we're starting to gel with and starting to get really excited about. You know what I mean? So, I think for the Dallas Cowboys, every time they have the ball, this is going to be one of those bold predictions, I guess, from me. But I think every time the Dallas Cowboys have the ball, they could score. You know, in this game in particular, that's what I think. Um, I think there will be a couple field goals where we're like, God damn it, why couldn't they just, you know, punch it in or something like that where we will kick a couple field goals. It might get off to a slow start, but I feel like as these games go, Kellen Moore starts to cook up a couple more things. Now, what I want Kellen Moore to stop doing is getting cute, man. He's got to stop that. Like, Mike McCarthy came out on the record and said, Kellen Moore is ready to be an NFL head coach, okay? That's not a bold statement at all because everybody knows that Kellen Moore has a very, very good mind, offensive-minded guy, right? He Is he Sean McVay? I don't know. We haven't really seen enough yet, but I do want to stop this, like, let's gain 20, right? And then a first and 10, we're trying to reverse. Or a first and 10 now, we're trying to put three linemen on the on the field and spread out 19 receivers and then do a, you know, throw back this, that, and third and lose four yards. These things don't work for the Dallas Cowboys, and I don't know if they're ever going to make peace with that. I, I don't know if they're ever going to actually accept the fact that their trick playability sucks very badly. It never goes well, and, and look, you can listen to this and be like, well, there was this one time that didn't end the round, and this guy, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's fine. I get it. It works sometimes. This time, not, right? Not working. Um, and I will say also, you know, other than the the offense and defense, this special teams unit has to be better. And I'm not talking about Greg the Leg, who kind of reinvented himself and got in the good graces of Cowboys Nation because he kicks a game winning field goal. Great, let's let's keep that up. But I'm talking about Fossils' kick coverage, his kick return, his punt return, his punt coverage. All those guys are are not performing well. And when you, I know they have the talent to do so. I just don't think they're being put in the right positions. And I think Fossil's time is is kind of past him. I, I think that, you know, they, they nicknamed him Bones Fossil. He is old. He's been in the league a long time. And while they gave him all these kudos and, and credibility for being, like, creative and stuff, that kind of shit isn't necessary. It's really not, man. Just punt the ball, cover the punt, kick the ball, cover the kick, 
Kick return, set up your blocks. You know, like it's it should be basic. There shouldn't be two. You don't have to reinvent the wheel on special teams. You want good field position and you want to pin them deep. That's the name of the game. I think Bones Fossil is getting too creative and too, you know, his quote the other day about not giving the fan or giving the fans what they want with the punt block. Like that's, that, that quote should have never came out of his face, even if he was tongue in cheek or even if he was joking around. Like he has to know that special teams right now is our, our worst our worst thing it is our worst team the defense is playing middle of the pack just like we all asked for right now through two weeks the offense is playing good football complimentary football especially in in week two the special teams have sucked the entire time between Greg Zerline missing a bunch of field goals in in week one where we were ready to hang them and make them go work at Whataburger right but now now we have Greg Zerline making a field goal so now we're all flying high and we're walking around like McGregor and we're thinking like he's going to make every field goal ever you know, and that's not the case. So I hope you guys are prepared to hate Greg the Leg again eventually because there will be a time where you do it. Hopefully it's not in a game win or game loss scenario, you know? And it's just so weird how it was like to a year to the day almost where they did the watermelon kick and he kicks the game-winning field goal and the Cowboys beat the Falcons in 2020. And then a year later, he does it again. Another game-winning field goal in week two. You know, it's, it's just kind of crazy how that played out. Um, but who knows? Who knows? So, who do I got? Who do I got coming out of Dallas victorious in this game? Now, if the Dallas Cowboys, or actually the winner of this game, will more than likely be in first place. We got to see what the Washington football team does uh, because they are one and one. No, that's not true. Yes, yeah, that's true. They beat the, no, they lost to the Chargers and they beat the Giants. Yes, so they're one and one. Um, So, depending on what they do Sunday, uh, will determine, you know, can the Cowboys be in first place alone? It's very possible. You know, it's very possible. Can the Eagles be in first place alone? Yeah, definitely possible. Um, I got the Cowboys here. Uh, I got the Cowboys big here, in which I know there's not going to be any laughers, and I said this team wasn't built to, to, to host any laughers or do any laughers or, like, come across double-digit wins. Give me the Cowboys 34-20. A 14-point win comfortably. But I also see them losing 17-13 to 13 at one point. You know what I mean? Like, I see that. I see a, a slower start and a strong finish out of the Dallas Cowboys this week. Give me C.D. Lamb all day across the middle of the field. We don't know the status of Amari Cooper yet because of his ribs. He bruised his ribs. Apparently, he's going to be okay. We'll find out. We're down hit. We're, we're down uh, Michael Gallup already. We do have Noah Brown uh, and, and Cedric Wilson, so we'll see. We have both of our tight ends, and we got Zeke and Pollard. So I think this offense is going to gel. I think they're going to score some points. I think we're going to expose the Philadelphia Eagles for being what they actually are, and that's not a good football team. I know a lot of people jumped all over them after that Falcons win, but after I saw what they couldn't do against the San Francisco 49ers, I don't think I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles are very good. I don't. I think that their head coach is kind of in a cloud right now, and he doesn't really know what's going on half the time. Obviously, he does. I'm just, you know, it's just speak, you know. But I think that the Cowboys get this done, and I think my flight home is a happy one. And if it's not... Then, you know, it's on to the next one. But these are three home games coming up. It's 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 the, the Eagles, it's the Carolina Panthers, and it's the New York Giants in a row. The Dallas Cowboys have a very, very good opportunity to be 4-1 after five games with their only loss being opening night. 4-1, decent start. There's a lot of season to be played, but these are the kinds of runs you got to go on 
in order for you to succeed in this league and sustain it. So it's all a matter. It's all a matter of like if you get the early lead, you know, with the with the standings, and you have a couple wins, and you know the Eagles, the the Washington football team, and the Giants have a bunch of losses. You just got, now you got to weather that. You know what I mean? So I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm not looking past the Eagles. The Eagles are on the schedule, and I think the Dallas Cowboys take care of business. So hopefully, when you hear from me again. I'll be recording this day. It actually might release a day later because I'm going to be in Dallas on Tuesday unless I record in Dallas, which would actually be kind of cool. Maybe. We'll see. Um, but if I don't, I, I will hear from you guys. Um, whatchamacall? I, I will hear from you guys. You will hear from me when I get back from Dallas, Arlington, any other town I want, or city I wind up with in Texas. I will come back, uh, hopefully a winner, and I want to thank you guys for joining me this week in what I think is probably one of my better podcasts. I'm in a good mood. We had a good day as a Chop Sports family over here at Chop Studios, so things are in motion. We're happy and excited over here at Chop Sports, so do me a favor. Subscribe to not only this podcast, but all the podcasts that are in line, okay, uh, that are rock and roll, whether it be Jimmy Palumbo's show or the Squeaky Bum Time podcast, which is a soccer podcast. We, got, we do represent the Jets here. We represent the Mets here. We got we got a lot of cool things going on at the network. Be sure to follow all those guys. I know Chris Gucci, my business partner, is about to drop his first episode of the Packers Pulse. So I know he needed a couple weeks to kind of decompress everything and just kind of take it all in and prep it. It's going to be a phenomenal podcast. I'm very excited about that. We also have an MMA podcast that he does with Tommy D. So there's a lot of cool things going on in this network. And we want to thank you for your support. And we'll see you next time.